I just love doing the Judge Dredd voice. It's always so fun. <laughs> I love you doing the Judge Dredd voice. It always <laughs> makes me so happy because I feel like you're literally going before you do it. I imagine you in your head, like pumping yourself up. Yeah, there. You know, I will like, tell you. Going, every time I do it, I point, and uh, there's always the pointing really point? is the important part. I always do. I always do on the drug. It's always. Drock! And it's a forceful point. Greetings, citizens. Welcome to Mega City One. We are coming to you live from Ernie Bushmuller Block. Uh, this <laughs> is Drock, the monthly podcast wherein we read through Judge Dredd the complete case files. Um, I am Jeff Lester, and with me is my distinguished, talented, and very handsome co-host. Wait, who who are you co-hosting with this week? Oh my God! Wow. Wow. Hi, I'm Graham McMillan, and I'm I'm humble. <laughs> you are, you are indeed. So yes, we are um, talking about talking about Dread, or we're going to try and talk about it. It is Judge Dread: The Complete Case Files, number twenty nine. Uh, this is the part where I say the parts that Graham normally says, which is no, no. I, I'm going to say it. Oh, uh, you say it. It mm-hmm. is volume twenty nine. It's from 1998 and 1999, bizarrely. It's from 2000D Prog's 1111 through 1140 and Magazine Volume 3, issues 46 through 51. The majority of it is written by John Wagner, although there's a couple of Alan Grant stories in the magazine. And the art lineup is full of people. Greg Staples is there. Cam Kennedy shows up. John Burns is there. Henry Flint's there. Alex Ronalds. Jason Brassfield does a couple of things. Peter Doherty's in there. Paul Marshall's in there. There's a lot of artists in this. It's another mixed bag volume. There's no grand unifying story in the majority of this. And as Jeff and I have both been talking about before the proper recording start... It's good, but that's really hard for us to talk about. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, and, and you know, I think part of me is if, well, I part of me wonders if it might help, but probably not because I haven't thought through this angle. As you mentioned, Alan Grant uh, writes uh, two stories in this volume. He is no stranger to dread, to put it mildly. And I was curious if maybe we could leverage using Grant stories as a, as an in to maybe talk about Wagner's stories. Because I would say that um, both of them are writing very identifiable dread in this volume. Uh, yes, and, and and again, it's it's a lot of Grant, especially, but I think Wagner's doing this as well. There's a lot of throwaway mm-hmm. dreads, which is not meant in any way as a, a an insult. I think we've both in the past talked about how much we love the the done in ones or done in twos that are not the mega epics. Right, right, yep, 
Yeah, I think so. And and there are there's there's a good chunk of those. And I think that what's interesting to me is how similar slash dissimilar they are. Like, for example, I think that um, of the two stories, Ape Town, uh, which is written by Grant with art by Jason Brazil uh, from Magazine 347, is a is could be considered quote unquote classic dread in the sense of if you want a sort of broad farcical comedy goof mm-hmm. kind of story that also mm-hmm. has underpinnings of um a really strange uh level of 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 tragedy i suppose and 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 moroseness and pessimism um I, you know, I think I think Ape Town is is a really good encapsulate encapsulates something that um, apart from sort of the more modern Jason Brazil style art, which I thought was very lovely. Um, uh, you know, it's very easy to imagine the same story being done by drawn by um, Ron Smith. You know, written yeah, by Grant or, or McMahon, Wagner. way back when. Yeah, exactly, way back when. It is very much a way back when kind of story, and and I think on the one hand that is, um, I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. But it's fascinating in to me to look at it in comparison to a lot of Wagner's other stories um, in this volume. The stories by Wagner many of which feel like uh as you said sort of throwaway dread feel um more perhaps unsurprisingly cuz he's been doing it consistently um way more i guess polished i think mm-hmm. you know well and also both ape town and grud's big day the mm-hmm. two grant stories feel for want of a better way of putting it sillier Yes, yeah. Than, than what Wagner's doing. And Wagner is doing some silly stories. Yeah, yeah. You know, there are shorts in here that are... I mean, silly is a very good way to describe them, or, or comedic to the point of ridiculousness. Mm-hmm. Even Death Becomes Him is is a relatively silly gimmick. Oh, it's some, a very Something about silly Four Marys mm-hmm. is a silly story. Yep. You know, Christmas Angel is a silly story. Yeah, there are a lot of of stories that are uh, this sort of broadly satirical or satire is probably not the right term, but broadly comedic mm-hmm. um, in in a way that quote unquote we expect from Dread. Mm-hmm. You know, but when Wagner does it, there is something that stops it from being. I don't know. There's something when Grant does it that makes it seem more childish. I don't, what is it, Jeff? Like, what is the silliness? Well, I, you know, so that that's a really good question. I mean, Ape Town is an incredibly over-the-top... Um, Jason Brazil just goes to town drawing the comedic apes. Um, I'm even trying to think of what the damn story, such as it is is it's it's basically apes like it is basically like a, a gangster story with apes like yeah there's a a plot involving uh an undercover judge who has been surgically you know altered to look like an ape and has gone native mm-hmm. but 
but you know, it's it's more than anything, it's giving Brazil a chance just to really cartoonish apes. Mm-hmm. You know, but at the same time, is that any sillier? In terms of concept, than like Banzai Battalion. Oh, I was about to say Banzai Battalion is absolutely. Uh, um, it's funny because Banzai Battalion was the one that also seemed kind of like the most um, goofiest, uh, most it's, it's old school of the goofiest story. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, you know, something about Four Marys, which has to do with four Marys who are competing for a cheerleader position after the head cheerleader gets, I forget, poisoned or killed or whatever, um, is, you know, is definitely a, a trifle. Or even something like Virtual Soldier, which has uh, the the guys, the Slim Boys of Slim Whitman gang have managed to mug someone and make off with what they think is a virtual reality game council and is actually you know uh, um, they're inadvertently going on a massive killing spree by having inadvertently taken control of an armored mecha droid you know like all of these things are super goofy and yet weirdly both Ape Town and I think Grud's Big Day in particular is something that it, for lack of a for lack of a better term, it's almost like Grant in is is putting on clothes that used to fit him perfectly, maybe, and now he's like they don't quite fit. You know what I mean? Like Grunt's big day, and I mean I think this may be part of the the thing of I feel like Grant. It's been a couple of volumes since we've seen his stuff, but, you know, we have accused him of, well, accused is perhaps too strong a word. I There's certainly, it's certainly been easy to infer that he was phoning it in for a check, you know, that there was a certain amount of like, just show up, do whatever, hit your page count, sign out, cash the check. Mm-hmm. The pieces here, Ape Town and Grud's Big Day, aren't like that but they do have a certain shagginess to them that that gives it kind of the feeling of for for lack of a better term both stories are a bit of a lark you know even when grud's big day is supposed to be kind of couldn't be more ridiculously high stakes you know mm-hmm. Uh, in that it appears that Grud himself has shown up to to visit his wrath upon Mega City One. Um, those things are, I mean, and so it's kind of like, yeah, they're big, broad, parodic hooks, which I would argue that Wagner also has in something like uh, Virtual Soldier or... Uh, Christmas Angel or Alien Towns Burning. Um, yeah, or again, Banzai Battalion. Which, Banzai you know, Battalion, absolutely. Tiny robots that, yeah, it, it's just... Yeah, yeah. But but the weird part is, and some of this is, is I think, in, in many ways, uh, again, Wagner's work is being matched up very well with the artists. I mean, it is... It's incredibly hard to... I, I think the presence of Cam Kennedy and Henry Flint automatically bumped some of those stories well up above 
you know, the weight that they would otherwise be punching at. You know what sure. I mean? Like, I think I think Bonsai Battalion is a gorgeous looking story in terms of it. And it's the same thing with Cam Kennedy. Like his his dread stuff in this is remarkably great, I think. Um, and yet the stories that they're actually telling are like, mm. and yet I think what it is, is that Wagner by this point has such control of his craft that his pieces are even, even they're just not, like I said, shaggy the same way the Grant stories are. They could be silly, but they're usually more honed, more focused. Like they just, they're polished and they land correctly most of the time. I I have a question and I don't know whether this is me projecting or not. Mm-hmm. It feels that for the Grant stories, he comes up with uh, these, again, silly concepts. Mm-hmm. And treats them comedically. And what Wagner does is he comes up with silly content, silly uh, concepts, but he treats them very seriously. Mm-hmm. Like I think what works with Banzai Battalion is, I feel like he's he's playing it straight, mm-hmm. you know. And even mm-hmm. something like so there's something about Four Marys, I feel is played straight. Mm-hmm. The characters can act comedically within them, but dread is played straight. Mm-hmm. And the idea that there are actual consequences for these people's actions feels like it's played safe. Mm-hmm. Does, that, does that seem right to you or not? I, You know, I, I mean, maybe as we dig into the stories more, I will subscribe to that theory. I mean, it, it makes sense. I think for me, it's just, which is, I think, part of, in, in no small part, why I reference Ernie Bushmiller is I feel like it's just, it's not like there's anything new, but the satisfaction of seeing. So to me, it's, a, as I think I said in a previous episode, it's the idea that Wagner takes his silliness very seriously. Like for the most part, he, I feel, doesn't really, you don't really get the sense that he is, um, quote unquote, phoning it in. Um, he just, he knows where he wants to hit his marks for lack of a better term. And also maybe because he's such a known quantity, uh, on dread at this point and, um, the 2008 editorial team have, have built up such a strong bench of artists for the most part that they get matched out relatively well. It's funny, the the quote-unquote worst Wagner story in this volume to me is Worst of Friends, which is the intro to Scorpion Dance mm-hmm. that ran in Magazine 346. And then Scorpion Dance actually takes place in the 2000 AD progs. Yeah. And it is incredibly different and weird out of sync with everything else as far as I was concerned. It really is, right? It's such Mm -hmm. a very strange story. It's the magazine when it first started, and we talked about this when when the magazine was starting up, had a tendency to go, well, we're for older readers and we will, you know, we'll lean into that. 
Right. And I think Worst of, Worst of Friends really does that. Oh, yeah. I, I think, is it Narcos? Is that his name? Or Narco? Yes, Nero Narcos. Yeah. Uh, Narcos is, at least in, in these in this volume, Narcos is a, uh, a genuinely terrible character. Mm-hmm. And not, not in the way that Wagner clearly wants him to be. Mm-hmm. Right, Wagner wants him to be like terrible in the sense of you know he is self indulgent and he's he's corrupt. But no, he's a he's a cartoonishly bad character. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I've got a robot body and then he's fuck. It's, well, right, it's like the, the weirdest, like the weirdest flex. Yeah, it. I mean, it. I think the thing there's a couple of things that are really weird about it. One is is that you kind of don't see sex talked about very much in dread um so seeing a character having sex in a way was i you know he's basically the front first page is talking about his his uh perfectly sculpted robot body and the fact that he has like a super awesome robot penis he's having a threesome with two women and the story ends with one of them, like, literally using his robot penis as a diving board. Like, yes. to give the idea yeah. of... It's, it's, it's genuinely amazing, right? Yeah. And that, and that, to me, is at that level of, like, okay, this is this kind of, like, this is weirdly, to me, like, at that level of Grant this which is to say yeah. well, it's, especially because it's it does it's not just that it ends with the the one that i'm using as, as a diving board it's his dialogue after that right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where he actually says i'm going to show them mine's bigger than theirs ladies i'm going to stick it right up them yeah i mean did mark miller go straight this? right no exactly exactly it seems it seemed it seems incredibly odd out of tone with everything else and really out of tone with the scorpion dance that follows that it's ostensibly introducing, but also with the rest of the volume. It's just a weird, um, it's a weird misfire. Uh, it, it's it's a, a very, it's a very weird misfire. And also it's kind of a shame because the larger plot sort of coalescing around that character is really interesting to me. mm I, I like the idea that he is uh, under the cover of of other things happening at Mega City One, mm-hmm. maneuvering himself into a position of power. Right, right. I, I like that. I like that it's happening so slowly. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, just as I like when Scorpion Dance. Like I love how also it says to be continued in Scorpion Dance, and. It, it's not really. It's like, not, which again is something I'm going to complain a lot about. When well, we get to well, it. there's you know there is stuff. There are threads that continue. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But they are like to to call it a continuation is a leap at this point. Yeah, Wagner showing his hands in a way that he doesn't normally, which is I know that. What's happening in Scorpion Dance and what's happening in that Narcos uh, Friends one-off come together in the next volume. Yeah, but yeah, but, but which but they don't come together in Scorpion Dance. No, right, and and it all but points to the where they are, and so it's kind of um, it's it's as if Wagner way back in volume like ten eleven had you know Kraken appear and then it was like to be continued in the Dead Man. <laughs> That's funny. I was actually thinking the opposite. It would be like 
if you totally teased the apocalypse war and then it was just block mania. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of, it's so much smaller. Because the stuff, first off, although I don't, I think that it's just done really kind of shoddily, like, Nero Narcos is, is set up in a way that he is basically, uh, he is a, he's an inversion of dread, right? Like, he yes. is basically, dread is more or less kind of uh, a, uh, robots discipline in you know unstoppability in a human body and narcos is more or less the opposite like yes narcos is well, I, 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 all I vice know, as as dread is you know the ultimate in restraint exactly narcos exactly. is the ultimate in in yeah indulgence indulgence you know? the ultimate in in giving in to all of his worst vices yeah exactly you know? Uh, and, but again, I, you know, we, I am going to have to put some of the, the Friends stuff in the show notes just for so people who didn't read this can understand. <laughs> yes. There's, it, it also helps – helps. doesn't help but also helps our complaint that Steve Tappen, who's drawing this, mm-hmm. is not a particularly good artist. And given the role, given the role of having to illustrate a threesome between a robot with Fabio's head and two women – does a shockingly bad job. Well, I, I mean, it... How do I put it? There was... I mean, I I wonder how much the sequence was drawn or redrawn because it is... It's, with, a, it, with a very strange, like, um, gusts of air. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there's definitely some weird vapor penis... That is uh, a little a little distracting and odd, but it it's strange how the um, it just comes off as remarkably skeevy. You know what I mean? Like because it's being so weirdly chased about showing, in part because Narcos's robot body is presented as this gray chitinous armor, except for his sort of weirdly, like you said. Uh, emotionless Fabio head. Um, and then you've got... Head, and, and also, you do see the panel of his penis being put away, and you see that his penis is purple. <laughs> I think I missed that. Oh, my God. I'm so glad. Uh, it's that. on the the second page of the strip. Oh, boy. Uh, he is, he's fucking it. the woman, right. and then his, his watch alarm goes. Oh, yeah. And the last panel is the penis... Getting, I guess, reinserted into his body. Oh yeah, the little katunk. Katunk. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah there, there it is. Wow. It's just. Oh boy. The weird thing is, and you know, you can tell me that I'm wrong in giving Wagner far too much credit here, because I think this is the case. Mm-hmm. I suspect with a different slash better artist, this would read as more of a comedy scene. And yeah. I don't think Tappen manages to sell the comedy. I mean, I have, I have a lot of problems with Tappen as an artist, not least of which I feel like he doesn't really under, like he can't make things three dimensional and his concept of proportion is kind of wacky. Right. But also I feel like he just can't sell any mood in his strips at all. Mm. He can't tell. He can't sell any idea that it's meant to be comedic or it's meant to be exciting or anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do feel that there is 
there are artists who could have made that scene funny. Uh, well, I mean, uh, uh, I don't know, man. Because I, I think I, there's obvious... definitely doesn't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just... I mean, again, part of me is like, it's just... It's just creepy. It There's just something that I think for me is the design of the character is such that when you see a full armored dude cavorting with two naked women and you're not watching the first couple of minutes of Excalibur, I think the general rule of thumb is you're looking at something that's profoundly, um, ridiculously afraid of showing any thing about male sexuality at all Mm -hmm. you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like and so it's so weirdly um i mean homophobic it's you know it just it just it just it read it all reads wrong it all reads embarrassingly prudish for a threesome scene uh in a way it, it really does read embarrassingly prudish Aside from that panel of his dick going away, which again, <laughs> you wonder, no, for real. Which no, again, no, no, it's like, true. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. is there a way to sell this as comedy that isn't right. happening in the strip? Right. Right. right? And mm-hmm. I genuinely think there could be. I'm trying to think which artist in this volume could sell it as comedy. Honestly, Jason Brassel might have been able, might have been the right artist to do Yeah, that. yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. It's just, I, you know, but ah. it's just like, as, as exists on that page. It's just an impressive misstep. Yeah. In a volume that otherwise has Wagner, even when it even when we don't, you know, love it, mm-hmm. it's it's good. Like there again, this this is a volume where the level of quality for the most part is really high. Yeah, I think so this as well. One story. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Is is not. It yeah. is just doesn't work on a number of levels. And one of those levels for me very much is in a volume where the artists seem to be matched with the writing. Mm-hmm. Tappan is 100% the wrong artist to be doing that. Oh, could be. Could be. I mean, I also just, again, it feels... Because the other part for me is is that you have... I guess it's I guess it's gunplay is the story. You basically have some really deep setup for... Yes. There's setting, a lot of setup in this. Yeah, setting Narcos up as, um, a as a really deadly foe. Like in gunplay, you see, um, you know, the lawgiver Mark II that the judges are going to be uh, equipped with. That is, you know, better in every way except for the fact that Narcos has built something into the software behind it that can turn off the guns anytime mm-hmm. he wants. Mm-hmm. And then in the worst of friends, once you get aside, put aside the embarrassing um, sex romp stuff, you get the idea that he has similarly managed to be able to tap into um, the robots of mega city one and use them, basically have them go on a rampage and, the worst of friends is him just more or less doing a proof of concept in which yes. he manages to kill six judges 
with 11 robots in addition to all the rest of the casualties that you realize he doesn't even care about this was all just to test the the well, no it is fights. it's all just a proof of concept right yeah. like that's that's the the point of it this is not the first time we've seen Narcos. He's been, he's yes. been in at least the volume before this, if not the volume before that. So Wagner's been building this incredibly slowly for a while. And the Scorpion Dance, for its misfires, one of which is that, uh, what's his name? Scorpio Dance, or whatever the character Yes, Vitus Dance, yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. It's nowhere near as interesting as Wagner seems to think he is. But it also sets up that that they're the Friends organization mm-hmm. with a Z, because of course. Also, let us remember the Friends as the name of the organization is happening at the same time as Friends TV show is massively successful. Yes. I genuinely wonder if that's why Wagner called them that. Um, <laughs> but they have been operating in Mega City One for a while and doing a number of things to basically try and distract the judges from what they're doing. Right. You know, right. and dance is, is, is just one of them. That's right. But also, you know, they're working kind of with with Edgar. Well, so if the Scorpion Dance had been a mega prog about how Justice Edgar is more or less pulling scene pulling stuff behind the scenes of the public surveillance unit to both payback and punish Dread by striking at him through DeMarco. At the same time that Vitus Dance manages to get out and is an unstoppable cursed Earth mutant who has ties to friends and Nero Narcos, who at the same time is making his move on the city with a robot war and a... um, his ability to turn off guns at any time. Like that's, that's a hell of a story. And the thing is, is that as you go on, as Scorpion dance goes on, you more or less realize one chunk of that story is not, is never going to happen in, in the story that's being told anyway. And so again, there's just a, there's just such, there's such a dry fart, of a story. See, uh, I, I I really like the Scorpion Dance. Why? But one of the reasons <laughs> I was literally about to tell you, Jeff. <laughs> if you let me finish, that seems um, I, fair. I, I like I like it on its own rights because I know what comes next. Okay, Graham, that is so, a contradictory statement. You cannot say you like it on its own rights because you know what comes next. Okay. I like it for what it does because I know what it comes next. Okay, fair enough. Right? I I am not asking for it to do something else because I know where it is leading. And for that matter, I know it is set up for what is coming next. Right. Right? And I think what you want it to do is what comes next. Mm -hmm. But I didn't go into it looking for that. Does that make sense? No, it does. But I don't you think that that is... Because I can't divorce my reading experience from what I know, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But going from what you're saying, uh, I think that Wagner is definitely maybe doing this run-up too slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, and emphasizing the wrong parts of it. The Scorpion Dance is a story, I again, I like, but 
again, Dance is not a particularly interesting character right. to be the protagonist, to be the antagonist, rather. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? And the idea of he can mind control people but doesn't really fucking do anything with it is a narrative dead end. The Where I like the Scorpion Dance is I like the Edgar stuff. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of the Edgar is in a cold war with Dread. Honestly, I'm not sure that Dread fully recognizes this is going on. Right. Yeah. You know, like Edgar is plotting against Dread and Dread knows that he doesn't like her, but that's pretty much it. Yeah. You know, and that's that's fun for me. That's interesting for me. I think the DeMarco stuff in Scorpion Dance is what I wanted to see from the last DeMarco story. I think I I wanted to see it go that far. I wanted to see DeMarco make her stand, more or less, and say, yeah, this is how I feel because I have feelings and that's okay. I quit. Mm -hmm. Like, I wish that had been at the end of the last DeMarco story Mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, essentially, oh, he must still love me as she's in hospital. Right. Right, you know, I, like that. That, yeah. that I find those two elements to make the Scorpion Dance a worthwhile story. Yeah, you know, there the other, you know, there are parts. There are definitely parts that don't work. The mm-hmm. the, the idea of the Scorpion Dance, the metaphor, is one that he arguably overworks. Oh, it's so good though. But yeah, yeah, no, the fact that he uses it twice is like, mm. well, yeah, like the last page is like, yeah, you get it, <laughs> yeah, With which Scorp- is. Dance, they'll kill each other, but just to make sure you get it, here's two scorpions, but on one side is Dread, and the other is <laughs> Edgar. And it's like, yeah, I get it. John, I get it. I, I understand. I know where you're going. Um, speaking to something else we were talking about earlier as well, the John Byrne arts helps significantly. Oh, me. yeah, hugely. Hugely. You know, if again, this has been Steve Tappan's art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it probably would be like this is a terrible story, but John Burns' stuff in this storyline is 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 great. You know, Actually, I love his Edgar. I love his Dread, just mostly because I love the way he does the glare in Dread's visor. Yeah, it's it's absolutely wonderful to me. I love it, mm-hmm. uh, and I kind of love that when he when he does Demarco, you get a, a an almost romance comic aspects to her which feels like a really fun way of treating the character considering her narrative purpose so i think for me um i love i love burns's work i love how he draws people i love his color palette i you know i sort of i very much feel that he seems in such a um lineage of British comic cartooning as I understand it. Um, And yet there is, I have to disagree. I don't think it's entirely his fault. In fact, it's probably not his fault, but I think, I think a lot of this, I I think a lot of the pages are too busy and kind of over jammed. And I, I didn't, I think I think on a moment to moment basis there is a um 
the the pages mostly work on their own, but overall, like the story feels really cramped and rushed to me. Um, it just it's lots and lots and lots and lots of little boxy panels with lots and lots and lots of dialogue jammed into it, and it kind of feels like something that they had to because it's it's still something like a five part prog or something like that, right? Oh yeah. It's it's a lot. It's a relatively long story. And it, it does a lot of stuff in that space. Yeah. I Uh, mean, I actually, I actually like how incredibly busy it is for, again, almost the wrong reason, which is, it reminds me of when Burns was doing like looking and he was doing episodes in like two pages and they were like, here's 17 panels on a page. Yeah. But you're right. Wagner is packing it in. There's mm-hmm. a couple of pages in here where there is so much text on the page mm-hmm. that Burns is struggling to actually get some drawing in there. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. And and so that is also kind of odd for me, is seeing a story that I guess that's that I think is the weird part that you and I are clearly in disagreement on, which is I you and I both agree that Wagner is great on his done-in-ones or done-in-twos or just his little crafted pieces of things. But this larger, more ambitious story is 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 really a mess and seems dashed off and, and, and maybe truncated. Like, I don't know if he was more or less told that he was, like, writing like a big event and more or less was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do the big friend story. And then kind of like, no, 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 no. I'm going to pivot away from it. But, but I just think that even like Vitus, Vitus dance is not just an uninteresting antagonist. Um, He's kind of just a bullshit villain. You know what I mean? Like his, <laughs> his powers are, he can do anything until he can't. And, and so there's just, you know, kind of that idea of where he's like, yes, I'm, I'm now a big religious nut. And you're kind of like, so what? Like, it's a weird contrast with the, you know, Grud's big day where you have a dread, fighting what appears to be Grud himself. And then you've got, you know, Vitus Dance, who believes that he is actually the son of Grud uh, as he walks on water holding scorpions. Um, and, you know, because it, at least Grant, you know, has a couple of pages where it's like, it can't really be Grud, is it? And people are like, sure, looks like it. And... Whereas when you see Vitus dance, like walking on water, holding two scorpions, it's like, okay, who cares? You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it's so it, ah. and then, and then the big climax is like, when they find him a mutant that can control minds, um, and they are tipped off to where he is in the muscle club, the judge's big plan is to give themselves a bunch of guns and all rush in at him and sure hope that they don't get, you know, yeah, mentally... Yeah, exactly. sure hope they don't get mind controlled. <laughs> right? Like, I was just no. like, 
It's a mess. It's a mess. Then you get Dread. He literally, you know, is in the back of the car. It's supposed to be this neat little reveal. And it's really funny where it's, um, you know, where it's like he he comes comes back from the dead and unzips his body bag again. And Dread's like, okay. And, and here you see this thing where it's like Dread's being mind controlled and then all of a sudden he's not. And then he should, you know, you see this guy get shot nine million times and someone says, he's not coming back from the dead this time. And Dread says, all the same, why ride with him to Rezik? And I'm like, oh my God. Like, sort of like, I'm like, you guys have learned nothing. Like, I kind of hope the Vita's dance comes back yet again after that's that. That's kind of great, right? Like, nah, I, I, I like that. Again, I, I think it's all accidental. Like, I don't think Wagner is meant to say these judges are so overconfident. But, like, that's that's what I get from it. Yeah, I, I, I get that, Graham. I, there's other things. Like, there's a very neat little moment where more or less, Dredd finds out that DeMarco has been dragged in by the SJS and that they are trying to more or less break her to um, find out about some sort of inappropriate relationship with her and Dredd. And Dredd, basically, given the choice between that and then finding out, like getting the tip that Vitus Dance is hiding out somewhere, he more or less says, like, DeMarco can wait. And I think this is, it'll be interesting to see if that thread plays out. Because I do think that there's something kind of fun and interesting with Dread going on about the idea of whatever feelings he may or may not have for DeMarco. Um, he seems pretty blasé about someone being tortured on his behalf. I really actually liked it could have been a much better moment to me. Like you can sort of, maybe if you're willing to put on the Graham McMillan goggles go, Oh, this is, a, this is a great moment because dread given a choice between rescuing someone from torture or catching a bad guy. He, he's got to catch the bad guy, you know, like I thought that that could have been a potentially those, really Those goggles moments. are right there. <laughs> They're right there. Um, no, but again, like even when even when I put on those goggles, mm -hmm. I'm still like I'm not convinced by them. Like, yeah, right. No, like, I get I'm it. Give him this reading, and I don't think he deserves it. But it's the reading's still there, and I'm like I'm grabbing onto it. Well, which is which is great. I I I am glad that you have the um the generosity. I think to fully enjoy Scorpion Dance. Like, I started out Scorpion Dance being like, oh, this is fabulous. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be a prog, which an extended mega prog sort of thing, which Jeff is always down with. It's got amazing art by John Burns, which is terrific. And then, I don't know, like maybe two thirds of the way through, I was like, this is this is not working at all. It again, it just seemed just kind of rushed and half baked, I think. And and part of me the the generosity of my reading is is that the editorship tried to push an event um on Wagner and he just he more or less went, Yeah, okay, and and then and then he pivoted, which is 
to me, I think part of the reason why you get so much promised in that lead up to the Scorpion Dance, because gunplay is right next to it, you know, mm-hmm. and then and then you just kind of get this and it's all kind of thrown together crappily. I don't like how DeMarco's treated in this. I think I think the whole thing's unfortunate to put it mildly and 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 also it's kind of how do I put it? This is the first time where I think for me part of the fun of dread in the first, this is going to sound so silly. In the first twenty-eight volumes, was very much uh, like, <laughs> "Oh, he, here, this comes again. Let's see how he does this." Like you know, like I wish that I was super diligent and obsessive because it would be really fun to go through and write down all the sort of reoccurring tropes that have happened through dread stories. But the sure. fact the fact is that Edgar Ed the idea that Dread is locked in a battle with a female judge for control of what's called justice is kinda reheated. You know what I mean? Like Edgar is a at least a far more interesting or credible antagonist than uh, Judge Magruder, um, but but I do have this weird thing of like, okay, so is is this? You know, I just found myself being so distracted, like asking all the wrong questions as a result of the Scorpion Dance, and one of them is kind of like, man, did, you know, does Wagner have a problem with women? You know what I mean? Because there's, I, I find that very unlikely. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm because I'm just thinking about the number of women in Wagner's Dread: Magruder, Hershey, Anderson, Demarco. Like I, yeah, I no, he loves competent hot women, but once once they become older women. They somehow become representatives of paranoia and distrust and a sort of bureaucratic order that has no um, trust in... What's what's really funny is, and I totally see where you're going, but Mm -hmm. what's funny for me is... In this in particular, and I don't know how much of this is Wagner, how much of this is Burns, Edgar, I just read Edgar as a bald Margaret Thatcher. Uh-huh. And as such, the paranoia and distrust, sure, it's Margaret Thatcher. Mm-hmm. You know? And and I again I wonder how much of that is is a Wagner's bidding. Mm-hmm. If Edgar is basically shown to be her. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 right. I, I would be curious, like how I would be curious what the case is. Right. I, you know? I, I mean, I think to be generous to Wagner, if if you read or have read uh, Leslie Fiedler's 
come back to the raft again, Huck Honey. Um, he talks a lot about how American, uh, there's a very wide stripe of American literature from a period in American history that is essentially civiliz everything in civilization that is bad is more or less represented by repressive women. And you have the men who pine, who more or less to the extent that they are able to live in a de an ideal life. It's that they cut out for the frontier. You know, they end up having adventures. They usually have a deep bonding with some other male character and, you know, double bonus points if it's another character of color. Um, and, you know, Fiedler, it was like a mighty, mighty uh, blow for uh, a s English criticism. Like Fiedler's essay was both incredibly influential and really eye-opening. And I, th I think does a, still to this day, does a, a really nice job deconstructing a, or pulling the curtain away and revealing a lot of the um desires that really make that make a certain mode of american literature work all of that stuff very much gets handed down pretty much wholesale to the westerns and dread has a very strong western influence you know it's mm -hmm. not necessarily surprising that he is um you know, in a place where people go out to the cursed earth, where dread is in many places, times and places put up as a sort of sheriff, you know, a uh, gunslinger type guy, that, sure. that you inherit the other part of that, which is to say, if, if a woman is not an object of desire, she is, can only represent the forces of a repressive society. You know, and I, I, so it it's weird. Like I found myself kind of going like, huh, the, yeah, this is again, maybe because I was disappointed with a lot of the pacing or anything else. But I found myself, despite the fact of I like in part Edgar's earlier appearances have been very strong and very consistent, um, you know, again, quote unquote, a worthy antagonist. And yet at the same time, I find myself being like, yeah, but this, this kind of day old bread, you know, it's kind of, it, again, I think it also does for me to watch DeMarco go and thank goodness she's really the, out of all the various female judges that Dredd has partnered up with she's the only one that really kind of has to go through this very embarrassing like oh but i love him kind but of I love thing him, yeah. yeah yeah you know and and it and again part of what's a shame is is that all of that stuff would be a lot of the things that demarco's saying are really interesting things to be talking about for the judges and their emotional lives and their their ability to understand um empathy and mercy and all those things and, but, and i think it's stuff that wagner has danced around in the past mm -hmm. right 
Mm-hmm. And what is so interesting about DeMarco for me is not that he does it with a continuing character as opposed to a judge who, you know, has an affair and is discovered and is immediately punished and that's the end of it. Uh-huh. But also that it's happening essentially to Dredd. It's not – it's someone who Dredd, for all that he prides himself on, you know, being a loner or being committed to the law, Dredd has few friends. Mm-hmm. Dread has few allies. You know, there's, you know, at this point in his career, DeMarco, Hershey, and Giant, maybe? Mm-hmm. You know, and so to have one of them mm-hmm. reject the law, mm-hmm. reject the Justice Department because she believes that the idea that judges should be emotionless and have no personal connections. It's really interesting to me. I like that for her. And I like that for Dredd. And I like that this happens and it's not the end of DeMarco as well. Mm-hmm. I also like that Dredd all, you know, all but says, I can get you back in at the end of the story. And she tells him to fuck himself. Mm-hmm. That's uh, not only interesting dramatically, but also, I feel it shows growth on DeMarco's side as well. That she rebuffs him. <sighs> I wish I could agree, Graham. I really no, I, do. I, I, well, I, I get yeah. that you don't. Yeah. I get that you yeah. don't. But I, I, like, I, I like DeMarco, and I think that DeMarco serves an important purpose in, I like in the wider narrative, in the ongoing narrative. Mm-hmm. But also, I think it happens without throwing her under the bus and i know that that's where you disagree no no it's not that i disagree i think i think my disagreement is is that demarco is 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 a is mostly a poorly drawn character that starts off when she first appears as being potentially rich and multivalent and flattening herself down to the size of a potato crisp by the time that you get here. The thing that I also find kind of distressing is the idea that we don't, nobody really cares about DeMarco at any point, which is fine, except for the, the idea that I don't think Wagner does either. It's all about like, oh, how does this affect Dredd? Like, I know that, that what, Wagner is thinking of and fixated on, and that I think is a potentially quite interesting point, is to me what I the closest I come to actually liking any part of how the DeMarco thing has developed is the idea that Dread is sees her as a superior judge. He sees her as an equal. And that is the extent and the way that he stands up for her as. And that is something that I think is potentially great and interesting. Like the idea is like Dredd really doesn't see her as anything other than just one of the potentially best judges he's ever seen. And and that in itself is why he's going to go to bat for her. That's why he's not going to um, report her indiscretions or whatever, you know, because, because he sees her as, um, again, as an equal deserving of respect. 
and that that is something that everyone else can't see and misconstrues including DeMarco is to me very could be very interesting unfortunately it is written by a dude who for the most part through the 28-29 volumes of um, Dread we see as you know someone who as progressive as they would like to think themselves is is really is not like and so it is hard for me to see demar i want to see demarco the way that you see her but i see her the way that i feel that wagner um you know in this volume sees her which is She's interesting to the extent that she shows shines a light on dread. And while that is a not unviable expectation uh, on a series that is about Judge Dread, yeah, exactly on a supporting character for yeah, Judge exactly. You know, like there, there's no, there. It's not exactly at fault, but I, but it is hard for me to find it anything other than kind of kind of embarrassing unfortunately it's just sort of it's just it's just kind of slipshod it's not it's you know it's it's basically pre-chris claremont characterization of women and it's not like chris claremont's characterization of women is exactly the most progressive conception either you know what i mean but it's like you schism said. upon schism in this episode. <laughs> Anywho, the thing that's crazy is, like I said, these are the things that I'm willing to go to bat for and argue about. But it's, but I don't want to fall into uh, what I've started referring to in my head as volume twenty-seven syndrome, where I we spend the entire hour arguing or and in my half complaining about things. Like, I don't know how much further you want to chase this down or if we should talk and praise some of the other stuff uh, instead. Well, I, I mean, honestly, like, I am done chasing it down. You know, I I, I like the story more than you, I think, is the, is the end result. Yes. You know, and yeah. neither one of us is right or wrong. Like, right. Uh, I'm curious, what are your favorite stories from the book? Um, I, I have to say I was really knocked out by the mega city way of death the opening story uh by wagner and greg staples is a really weird melancholic piece that actually did make me think like oh maybe john wagner maybe has had an adult relationship or not um that is a story that is nicely circular and lands in a very melancholy way about um a certain uh, it's 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 another sort of wagnerian dread trope which is life in mega city one can be pretty miserable and here's a particular way of how um i i thought that that was great i thought that death becomes him between wagner and alex ronald's uh art was really fun and funny it was the first time i ever thought about actually digging up some of the judge death solo material because mrs gunderson 
who is the sort of comedy staple along with the characters of the quite nice bar is apparently closely tied to judge death in a way that I wasn't aware of. Um, you know, I, uh, bonsai battalion, I think is fabulous because I think Henry Flint's art is extraordinarily good. Like it is, uh, as Graham mentioned, it's a story about, pint-sized robot gardeners essentially who are in the process of it's sort of a i i'm assuming that this is around the time starship troopers came out because it's kind of a genius riff on that where you have futuristic soldiers fighting giant insects and then you pull back and you realize that these are sort of artificially intelligent toys that go in and and kill off garden pests um unfortunately the kindly uh family running the garden who have bought the bonsai battalion um have the unfortunate bad luck of having three um ultra creeps crash almost literally in their yard and hold them hostage and again henry flint storytelling and particularly his design is fabulous i have I have no idea why the three psychos look like evil pandas, but it works so well, so well. So um, I think those were the tops. I have to say, I really did like Ape Town. I found myself, Brussels art was great, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I think Grud's Big Day is kind of a mess, but I think Ape Town is a genuinely fun romp. Yeah. I think so too. I think so. It's just it's it it is. It's a fun romp with again just a slightly discordant note that I feel um is is again something that I think of as kind of classic um classic dread. And then all the Cam Kennedy stuff just looks fabulous. Who's Wally and the contract are just gorgeous looking stories. And I think if they had been drawn by anyone else, I would have been like, sure, fine. You know, kind of like you said, Steve Tappan's work, um, something about four Marys is, um, is, is, is for, is a really well done dashed off throwaway story in Wagner's construction. And then the art on it, uh, was giving me serious flashbacks to, I don't know, whatever it was, volume 16, volume 17, where it just seemed like this is this is the best that we can get. So Yeah, Steve Tappan is, is a surprisingly poor artist at a time yeah. when you do have Cam Kennedy and Paul Marshall and, right. and you know, Alex Ronald, Henry Flint, like really good artists working on this trip. And all of a sudden you get these couple of Steve Tappan stories and you're like, Oh, what happened? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually what happened? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there are a lot of really strong stories here. Mega city way of death is a great one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do like that. It's also very quietly a story about if you, if you are poor in mega city one, you're, you're, it's a horror show. Yeah. Yep. You know, like, like the rich genuinely do live a different life. Mm hmm. You know, and 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 can do things to the poor that are unconscionable and immoral, and and they don't give a second thought to. It's it's a wonderful, really understated horror story. I think. Mm-hmm. 
Dreams of Glory, the two part of Dreams of Glory, I really enjoyed the Jim Murray illustrations yeah. thing that yeah. follows it about the the judge who is for all intents and purposes shit but keeps falling upwards. Mm-hmm. Um, is a, a a wonderfully dark comedy mm-hmm. that that I really enjoyed, and and you know we said this about some of the really early volumes and haven't said for a while. It feels both those two actually feel very much like spirit stories to me. Mm-hmm. There, there's mm-hmm. Will Eisner vibes to both of those mm-hmm. uh, that I work very much in their favor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Banzai Battalion is is silly in a good way. Uh, again, mm-hmm. the Henry Flint art m- means a lot. Yeah, you know, it, it, Henry Flint really draws the living shit out of that, and it 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 works because of him. Uh, you may or may not know this. You know that Banzai Battalion was eventually spun out into its own series, right? I did know that. Yeah, but um, only through reading, you know, the uh, the thrill power overload. Right? Yes, exactly. Throw power overload. Yeah. Um, Termination with Extreme Prejudice is maybe not the best story, but I think Alex Ronald's art in that is amazing. Mm-hmm. It sounds like the strangest thing to say, but Alex Ronald's way with drawing when someone is flashing a very bright light in the reader's direction mm-hmm. is amazing in that mm-hmm. story. It's, mm-hmm. it's incredibly evocative. Yeah. Um, Who's Wally, I thought, was also surprisingly good. Mm-hmm. Again, a very throwaway premise from from Wagner, but Kennedy's art is is just great. Also, a very Eisner esque. Yeah, another again, in the Eisner categories. Yeah, you know, um, I I do think that there is. I think that the best stories here are the shorter ones, and honestly, the best stories are the ones where, as is the past, as is the case in the past, Dread almost takes a backseat to to the the citizens of Mega City One, but also to the story. Mm-hmm. Dread, Dread is almost uh, you know a figure outside the story who comes in to to deliver the the denouement, but otherwise it, it, the story is not about him. Yeah, that, you know? that's I, the case I, I in that, a lot of these. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Um, but I also like you know I, you are not enjoying the very very slow burn of the the Narcos and, and Edgar plots. Uh, right, and, and mm-hmm. I am, you know, mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm. Mm-hmm. So to say, I'm very excited, and that's not true. I am looking forward <laughs> to rereading what happens in the next volume f- for the Narcos plot and also the Marco plot, because mm-hmm. those those two stay in connection mm-hmm. for the next thing. Because the next volume has a crossover between 2018 the the magazine, mm-hmm. and. For one of them, the main character is Dredd, and the other one, the main character is DeMarco. Interesting. Uh, which is which is how they they do it, how they do the crossover, <laughs> and make the crossover work in a way that you know crossovers between the two have not really worked in the past. Right. And so I, I you know, I I am enjoying that slow burn. I like Edgar as a as a I can't even call her a threat. Edgar as a presence. Is something I, I'm enjoying, and I, you know, I'm I'm very much enjoying seeing how unaware Dread is of what's going on. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. I feel that Dread is at this point in the, the the larger story arc. He knows something's going on, and he doesn't trust Edgar, 
But that's about the extent of it. Well, I sort of like, I mean, how do I put it? I think that to, 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 I think again, of, of all the various things that get stomped on in the Scorpion dance, um, the fact that that not very subtle climax, um, undersells the potentially best thing about it is, is that the idea that in a better version of this story, sort of the same way that the judge's overconfidence um, is, uh, you know, practically their downfall with Vitus Dance, Dread's overconfidence with regards to Edgar is also a dangerous blind spot. Like, he's kind of like, yeah, okay, I get it. She she had to teach me a lesson, and she did it by making DeMarco pay. Okay, I got, you know, he says something like, okay, message received. And it would be one thing if he was kind of like, yeah, okay, well, message received. I learned the lesson. DeMarco didn't want to be a judge. Okay, great. Like, no hard feelings, you know. But the ending is definitely very reminiscent of the one where Dread is basically thinking about Magruder and he's like, you know, essentially this town isn't big enough for both of us, you know, and maybe because it is so um, evocative of that moment, the end of Scorpion Dance is kind of like, okay, well, Dread, Dread knows, Dread knows that this person's gunning for him and this person wanted him to know that they are gunning for him. And it's, it's more interesting to think that he actually doesn't see it and he doesn't get it through a mixture yeah, no, of no. yeah that mm-hmm. that's what it's interesting to me yeah the dreads like i basically i can deal with this dread is the reader mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. of course i can deal with this i'm dread you know right. and the reader's like of course he can deal with it just the comics named after him right right yeah and i like the idea that he really doesn't know what's going on I I I hope so. I mean, again, it makes and it's a it's a nice um, parallel to the idea that's going on with Neuro Narcos, which is he's slowly, patiently putting all the pieces into place, so that when it's his time to take over, like the judges are going to be helpless. I again, I also like that. I like the parallels that are there that should be there but you know but again i'm like yeah i don't i don't it, I, it more power to you for being able to derive that reading from it i guess um what did you think i wanted to ask you about uh wounded heart and christmas angel um in some ways because they're both also kind of follow-ups of a sort um Christmas Angel in particular is the uh the angel of death who's been killing for years now in Mega City One. Um and a Christmas story in which it looks like they are going to be caught by the judges. Uh and Wounded Heart is not is how do I put it? I, I think it would like to see itself as an emotional sequel to Bury in My Knee at Wounded Heart, but uh, but I was not crazy about it. What did you think? I got frustrated by Wounded Heart, rather. 
mm-hmm. uh, just because it felt unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I, I felt like he, I felt like he'd done everything that needed to be done in the first story. Oh, very much so. I mean, you know, and and so it was like, and this exists, not unlike, uh, honestly, Death Becomes Him, which I like mostly because of the art. It feels like a story that exists because he needs to hit a weekly deadline. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, as opposed to like there being a real story there. Christmas Angel is different. Christmas Angel, I I thought the art was not right. I didn't like Jason Brassel's art for it. I wish it had been Alex Ronald again who'd done the earlier mm-hmm. uh, Angel stories. But I like just because I like those characters. You know, I I think it's I think there's, I think the idea of of is she called Angel the Angel of Mercy character anyway is 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 a fun recurring character. Mm-hmm. You know, is is a fun addition to the Dread mythology. You know, because mm-hmm. she comments once again on the idea of Dread is doing the legal thing. But is he doing the right thing? And is he actually in in conflict with the right thing? Right. You know, but in such a way that, again, is very cartoony and lets you hint at that subtext without letting the subtext overwhelm everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think that's... Uh... That's a pretty good way to sum it up, I think. How how do you feel about Will Uh Well, uh, Christmas Angel, like I said, I like it. I had the same sort of, you know, feeling of I wish that Alex Ronald had been drawing it. Although I, I appreciated that I felt like Brashil, um, Brashil drew um, the killer couple more in line with the way that uh, Ronald draws them and then went way sort of cartoonier, loopier with all the uh, victims at their Christmas party. Um, yeah, he is, he, is, he is far more withdrawn, far more restrained when it comes to drawing those two characters because he is an incredibly cartoonish creator. Yeah, he really is. And so the way that... And I mean, to be fair, there, there's... They're sort of semi-cartoony anyway, but I think he really worked hard to try and hit that, the appropriate tone with them. And I I thought he succeeded. And I thought it was fun and interesting, uh, you know, kind of in a very light way of here are two characters that are um, all but certain to be caught. And one of them has faith that because they're doing God's will, they will get away. And it was kind of fun to see that be, um, that be a takeaway (laughs) message. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Wounded Heart, I thought was, was not good. Um, I think, you know, kind of Wagner in the worst of the judge dad uh, approaches, you know, like, uh, you know, not just kind of, it was, it was, it was sentimental in a way that bury my knee at wounded heart kind of is not. And to the extent that it is more or less, um, 
linked to it, I guess a generous way would be that that Wagner wants to point out how far Dredd has come from essentially being the guy in Bury My Knee at Wounded Heart who initially is like, uh, I'm sorry, I'm just following orders, you know, to uh, at Wounded Heart basically being like, you know, fuck the law, this is wrong, I'm throwing these guys out. If you could, you know, if you have a problem with me releasing these Falcons, fucking write me up. Which is, you know, on the one hand, I'm like, well, yeah, that's that's a real distance to go. But at the same time, between the, like, the funeral and the story and the, like, oh, they're but, beautiful also, birds. Do you not, and, do you not yeah. think the Wounded Heart thing honestly exists for that final pun? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. The, you know, the how... it's not, it's, yeah, how do you mend a Wounded Heart? Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not a good enough story to earn that pun. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. You know, if we're t- if we're talking stories that, despite in this volume, like Simp City as well, just feels like something that we've seen. Oh yeah, count yeah. times. Yeah, agreed. I I was. It it's definitely not up there. Simp City again has a certain je ne sais farce. You know, particularly when the Romeo and Juliet thing and you know gets in there, but it's. But it's also very <laughs> to, to have a story that with the Simps in it and be like, yeah, it's a little over the top. Is you know more or less you know to feel, be missing feel, yeah, the point? Feel, are, yeah, are, yeah. Are, are we not understanding the point of the Simps? But at <laughs> yeah. the same time, like it, 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 I think you're right. Like it's just like okay, but there's no, there's nothing else here. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think the Simps work best when they're forced lunacy. Is in service of a larger point. Well, and sorry, yo, sorry, no, no, you're right. And the weird thing is, is Simp City kind of does have sort of starts that way, and then it ducks. Them. But that, but it doesn't end that way at all. No, no, exactly. And so when Simp City starts, um, there is a way in which the Simp Pride is sort of take takes more of its notes from the idea that that simpness is kind of is a metaphor for queerness in um in the dread universe i guess the dread mythos um and as you know i was a huge sucker for john smith's um simp story that really um really went to town with that as uh as a as a metaphor and you know Wagner's clearly aware of it in Simp City with the idea that you have the Simp Pride March and they literally are scheduled um, due to a cock up. They come right into a norms sit in, and and so the two sides are you know the dread the judges are more or less trying to reconcile them and. Mm, you know, have something work out seems like a clever premise, like kind of a funhouse mirror version of Pride March conflicts, but but also in you know, it's kind of like I feel like he gets halfway into it and then is like, okay, well, hmm, yes, okay, someone has pointed out to me that uh, me saying okay, 
both sides is you know have problems is not a very good take and so here's some goofy slapstick in a west side story romeo and juliet call out enjoy you know what i mean and it was just kind of like it, it, yeah, it's it, just kind of like no <laughs> no exactly exactly so that it's kind of a shame it's it's simp city i actually start i regret to say that i started the story being like oh Maybe this is really going to go somewhere, and then it really um, it, dashed it really away from it. Did. Yeah, dramatically um, did not. Not for the first time. I think that I found the magazine material stronger than the 2018 material this time. Really? Because I say not that even, even much with even yeah. with uh, Grant writing two of them. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. Oh. There's just I. I definitely just felt that the second half of this book. Which, to be fair, also includes like the Scorpion Dance and Banzai Battalion and Termination with Extreme Prejudice. But I, I felt that the book ended stronger than it began. Hmm. That's interesting because, again, I thought that Mega City Way of Death and it starts it starts pretty strong in a very slight I, way. You know, I think I think the first two stories are great. Mm-hmm. Then I think it sort of dips. Death mm-hmm. becomes him as is good because of Alex Ronald's more than the story, I think. And then mm-hmm. you head into something about for Mary's virtual soldier, Simp City, Wounded Heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. You know, it's true. Which again yeah. are all good stories. Like you know, I, I even as mm-hmm. I'm complaining and talking about Dip, like, I want to once again say there is a baseline of quality here. Yeah. But but by the end, you've got the contract. You've got who's Wally. Uh, the, you know, you got there be dragons. I think there, there's. I think there's some really good material in the magazine stuff this time. Okay, see, I, I, I thought there be dragons looks beautiful. Like it's really a gorgeous looking story. But I mean, isn't that all it is? Like it's not. It's not really good. <laughs> <laughs> See, I think I think it is good. It's not, you know, an all-time great. Uh-huh. It is uh, for. I'm actually looking at counting up how many pages it runs. It's 15 pages long, and there's arguably seven pages of story there. Yeah, yeah, you know. But yeah. I do think it looks really good, and I do think that it's. I don't think Wagner gets in his own way there. Mm. Don't get me wrong. The contract's a much better story. Mm-hmm. Contract, you know, again is also a, a Will Eisner story. Let's be perfectly honest. It's, it's, it's contract yeah. is another story. Um, I w- I should say very quickly, the contract is uh, a story where a man's being hunted down by an assassin robot that it turns out he hired when he thought he he was uh, he was going to die because of an illness, and then it turns out he'd been misdiagnosed. But that doesn't matter. Um, right. And the the witty punchline is. The dread saves him from the robot and then sends him to jail for hiring the robot in the first place. Wah, yeah. wah, wah. I say that it's like it's maybe my favorite story in the entire book, but still, um, wow. I really like the contract. I, I, honestly, a large part of it is Cam Kennedy. Yeah, I mean that's Where, it. Like, it's it's just like, is it fucking looking. blinding? Yeah, um, but honestly, that's kind of why I like here be dragons or there be dragons, I should say. Everywhere be dragons, Jeff. Um, <laughs> I, I it's I think Greg Staples art is great, and also it doesn't look like Greg Staples. 
Right. Like, no. there's a couple of times where I was like, is this Joe Nicholson's work? Yeah, yeah. No, seriously. You yeah, know, which, which I really I liked a lot about it. Again, the story, you're right. The story is slight. There really is, you know, it's twice the length it should be. But mm-hmm. in in that, it also gives Staples a chance to just, you know, be elaborate and be, and show off. So I, I yeah, I think it's a strong story. Mm. I I would I would one hundred percent hold it above some of the earlier two thousand D stuff in the book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I might uh, just say may vary, Jeff. Yes. I think I think that is I think that's fair. I think I think uh, I will definitely concede the point on varying mileage here because I find that there's a lot of stuff in here that I think, again, really good stuff that I liked a lot. That some of it came down to, wow, I really like the colors on that, or ooh, the art is really pretty on this. And similarly, there were stories where I'm like, you know, in part because the art was kind of. You know, so I don't know. It's again a strong volume. Um, I just, I, it's interesting how much we disagree on the parts that we disagree about. So, um, it, you know, which again, I think just may be a matter of taste. You know what I mean? Yeah, but also I think that arguably shows that it is such a strong volume. If both, yeah. if both of us make the argument that like this is great. You know, I, I there are bits that aren't very good, but overall, this is a really good volume. And then the bits that we think aren't very good turn out to be <laughs> right different bits. Right, right, different bits and parts that the other person really liked. Then, yeah, I think that's probably true. I think I think that's a good way to look at it. So, yas. Well, so I think we I picked a lot of my favorite stories. I assume we're both saying that, given the choice on Drock or Dross, we're both calling it Drock? I mean, yeah, I would 100% call this Drock. Yeah. Um, I would call I, it Drock, yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, I think we're at the point, the weird point where we can be disappointed in bits of a volume, we can be disappointed in a volume even, but objectively, it's it's just great still. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's still really good comics. Yes, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Um, and then I think we both, I don't know, did we, I, I listed off a bunch, but do you want to name your, your strongest and weakest or favorite and least favorite? Uh, I think, I think the contract really might be my favorite, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my least favorite is probably Grud's Big Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, which we talked around, but the, the short version is it seems as if God slash Grud is punishing Mega City One, but it turns out it's a scientist who's accessed an extra dimension. And then Dread follows him into the other dimension, and it's, I mean, honestly, it's just kind of bullshit. Yeah, right. Yep. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. Pretty much. It was kind of like if someone had revisited. Uh, all of Jim Starlin's various Thanos stories and went like, wow, people really love the idea of someone getting godlike omniscient powers and then no one being able to really understand or uh, articulate what that means. So I'm going to do that. (laughs) It's really not... There's some parts that that were not without charm, uh, which is kind of great because I do have to say that I felt like I've read some charmless Alan Grant 
Dread oh, stories. Oh yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. The one thing history. That, mm-hmm. the thing that's actually maybe pushes Grud's Big Day into my, you know, I'm almost angry at it is I like the very start of the story, wherein Mega City One is celebrating the anniversary of the Atomic War, mm-hmm. and a group of pacifists, pacifist terrorists basically are so upset about this that they start attacking the parade. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's interesting. And, and you know, will that idea will come back uh, with Total War when you get more into the Total War material mm-hmm. that Wagner does. Mm-hmm. But I do like the idea of a terrorist organization that is devoted to to something that, in theory, we believe in. You know, the idea that this is a, an organization that's going, why are we celebrating atomic war that killed people? Right. We shouldn't be celebrating genocide. Mm-hmm. And to prove it, we'll blow someone up. Yeah, peace through violence. Yeah, it's hard. It's, uh, yeah. Like, like I can see like where that, that might work. Mm-hmm. And then for that then to turn into, but no, they're being punished by God because it's really a scientist. was just like, Really? Jesus, talk about taking this in the least interesting direction possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so that's my least favorite. Jeff, what is your absolute most favorite and your absolute least favorite? Uh, oof, let me see here. Because you've given me a bunch of favorites, but give me yeah, a, give I gave me a yeah. If I had to pick one, I th- I think it's really got to be Mega City Way of Death. I really loved the way that story played out and how it pays off, I thought worked really well. So if I had to pick one, that's probably the one that's the hardest for me to find any qualms with. Um, Yeah. The worst story. I think I really am going to pick worst of friends uh, as the worst. Cause I thought it was so totally crap, totally manages to, throw off my expectations for the next 40 pages of the book and and really just 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 bad a poor art choice unlike you i had problems with whatever the fuck wagner thought he was doing so yeah um (laughs) i'm curious what do you think wagner is doing what do i think wagner's doing in the worst of friends no, no, uh, no! Like in the, the the grand scheme of things, the long game. Oh, so I, well, I think I think that the long game is going to be the idea that dread is going to be caught squeezed between essentially two two different ideas driven to excess which is to say neuro narcos is like i've got this grand plan for taking over the city and it's purely because i'm all about you know you know essentially hedonism and crime in the self and dread at the same time is going to find himself squeezed between that and edgar who is more or less um for the exact opposite reasons kind of doing the same thing which is i have to bring the city under control and to heal uh h-e-e-l because um you know essentially i am dispassionate 
and I have no faith in, in humanity whatsoever and everybody has to be controlled and repressed all the time. And Dread is once again supposed to be threading that needle and, you know, is, you know, trapped between a rock and a hard place is going to manage to persevere through, you know, that kind of superhuman ability that Dread has of um, essentially self-denial, but for the right reasons and to the right ends. What if I told you that in Complete Case Files 30, which we're doing next month, there are two pretty big all like quasi-mega epics, one of uh-huh. which is a Narcos uh, storyline that crosses over with the magazine, uh-huh. and one of which is uh, almost the sequel to the Apocalypse War. Wow. Um... I would say I look forward to reading that. And I sure hope he pulls it off better than he pulled off the Scorpion Dance. <laughs> I'm really curious what you're going to think of the Narcos stuff. Yeah. I'm really curious what you're going to think of the of the, the, the other thread as well. Mm-hmm. But I feel that that one almost comes so out of nowhere right. that you'll be like, okay, sure, I can read this on its own terms. As opposed to the, the other material. Which right. I think you might just be like, what the living shit is happening? <laughs> this this is this is simultaneously where I thought it was going and not where I thought it was going at once. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll be quite curious. I really will. I, I look forward to checking it out, which I guess we will be doing in one month's time. We will. We will be doing it in in precisely one month. Uh, this is when I'd normally go to the calendar and see, but honestly... What not? Let me tell you. Jeff already knows this. I am having what could only be described as a hellish month, mm-hmm. and the idea that we have planned anything out uh, is just impossible. It's just, it's just not going to happen. I wish I could tell you when next month we're going to. Oh my God, Jeff, you've done it. Yeah, I did. You already scheduled. I have. My God, what not? Jeff is a genius, and when he says a month, he actually means a month. Yeah. Jeff, yeah, yeah, Jeff yeah. had scheduled it. I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, call it four or five weeks. I fuck knows. And instead, I've just looked, and Jeff, Jeff has scheduled it exactly. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, bless him. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, we're yeah. we're going to be doing Case Files thirty next time, and it's going to be a it's going to be a fun read, but it's mm-hmm. going to be a much more consistent read because we're basically reading two stories. Mm. And that's it. Wow. After after a, a few volumes where where it's a hodgepodge, you mm-hmm. know. So I, I'm really curious. Uh, I'm really curious to see how you feel about whether he pulls it off or, or not, and also for me to revisit it with the context of reading these preceding volumes, mm. and to see if I think that he, think that he pulls it off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So yeah, I'll be I'll be very 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 curious to see what both of us think. That is uh, again in, let me see one two three four weeks, Jeff. We're, we're going to be doing it in four weeks. That's kind of amazing. Yeah. Uh, meantime, next week is a regular wait. What? Uh, where we will be discussing many things because Jeff. Oh my. If nothing else, DC fandom this past weekend alone. 
mm-hmm. I think it's going to give us lots of things to talk about. But yeah, there, there's a lot of things that we'll be talking about with the regular rate one next week. Um, yeah. There will be show notes for this episode up on Monday at waitwhatpodcast.com. Wait what podcast also has uh, a Twitter account at waitwhatpodcast. Jeff has a Twitter account at lazybastid at L-A-Z-Y-B-A-S-T-I-D. I have a Twitter account at Graham M at G-R-A-E-M-E-M. And we are a Patreon supporter podcast, which is why you're listening to this very damn thing that you're listening to. Jeff, Tell the people all about it. <laughs> I always love that lead in. Um, you guys, you're great. We are so incredibly appreciative uh, of um, being able to get together and gab for a few hours every week and then put it out there into the world and have people respond to it and agree or um, tell us about um yelling at us in their car like that's a that is a strangely consistent message that i hear that will you know people driving in their car listening to us on their commute and then yelling at us when we get something wrong <laughs> it's kind of too because we can definitely hear that yeah yeah exactly always kind of amazing and there are the people who not that, only like, I don't also yell at things where people can 100% not hear and you're just like why if I yell loud enough right exactly no it's 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 a wonderful thing it's a wonderful thing it is that crazy crazy um you're so deeply engaging with the content that you do have an outburst you want to participate you are participating um, and so we really appreciate your participation with us through these many years of uh, comic book gabbity gab and uh, the fine people at Patreon who um, uh, throw us a little bit of their hard earned dosh uh, each and every month. That is incredibly uh, valuable in all senses of the term. Uh, as Graham mentioned, because of that, because of hitting a stretch goal, we have done, gosh, um, 29 volumes of the complete case files and then two and or then three, three volumes three of, the volumes of the restricted case files. Yeah. Good grief. As well as Baxter building our read through of the first volume of the Fantastic Four with the tack on episode that I apparently have to asterisk every time. I think if you listen to us, you know the routine. We're incredibly thankful. Thank you. Special shout out of gratitude to Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy, for her ongoing um, support of this podcast and of this little neck of the cosmos. Um, we we owe our ongoing perseverance uh, to you, Audrey. Thank you. Graham? Our ongoing perseverance? Yeah, I wasn't quite sure. Existence? Like, what's that? Like, persevering sounds like that thing of we're actually doing something to make it go. But what is it where it's like we pers- are ongoing persistence or persisting? I don't know. Like, the fact let's, that we let's continue say to exist. That kind of works. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for jumping in there. And I guess since this is a drock, you guys got to hear me, unless Graham has anything else, uh, sink us out. No, I have literally nothing. I am just looking forward, as always, to hear Jeff say the following words. Yes. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, everyone. And um, until next time, Drock, you're under arrest, citizen. Report to the cubes, and we'll see you in 30. <laughs> <laughs>